Yeah, uh-huh, listen up Yeah, I can see you're new to this You ain't got no job You ain't got no experience You're entry level You ain't got no qualifications, baby You're entry level Your entry level, baby. Your entry level. Ooh, yeah. Welcome to this week's episode of Entry Level. I'm here with Nick Turner. My name is Nick Turner. Yep. I'm branding myself, Brooks. Uh, what's a brand? What's this new brand? My name is Nick Turner. My new brand is I say my name before I say anything else. Okay, so how's it going? How- my name is Nick Turner, and look. That's going to be the last one I do. Okay, yeah. No, I didn't love it. It was over. Yeah. No, I felt it. It wasn't my favorite thing I've seen. Back to the drawing board. Okie dokie. Well, guess what, listeners? This week's episode is brought to you by uh, a Netflix show about a lady who chases cheese down a hill. They're a sponsor. No. I just love it so much. A show that's already out. A show that's out. I watched this show that's out. It's about um, they they roll cheese down the hill. I'm in the middle of showing Turner to it. You don't know the name of it is what you're telling. It's called We Are the Champions but I I don't, I cannot condone the entire series. I will only say the first episode of We Are the Champions on Netflix is the single greatest thing I've seen in 2020. It's the fucking best. They roll a cheese down a hill. It's very steep. A girl throws herself off the hill Breaks all her bones and wins. And she's awesome and she's fun. And shout out to Flo. If you know, you know. Shout out to Flo. Uh, I just can't recommend anybody watch that enough. Nick, you've seen a little bit of it. I'm halfway through. It seems insane. (laughs) Rolling yourself down the hill. Not on the bucket list. (laughs) There looks like some people who are a lot better at it at me. And that's got to be the worst thing. If you do it and and you don't do well. You yeah. break you break your arms and they're like, oh, but did you win? You're like, 130th. <laughs> not worth it. But uh, no, I'm sorry. Having kids is not in the cards for me anymore. <laughs> it's great. I honestly, I cried once from laughing so hard. There's a thing where she goes, I was in the middle of a year of sobriety and sobriety did not work for me. And that made me laugh mm. harder than I have laughed all mm. year. Maybe that's more specific to you. <laughs> I don't know if that's the most universal laugh. Well, it may be just like, look, I can't be sober. Sure. Sure. No, I've heard you say that. (laughs) Either way, so fun. I I just I I can't get over it. I I really love it. But um, that being said, uh, I'm in the middle of my training still. I got to run 20 miles next week. Oh, okay. I keep telling you this. You Mm. do not have to. I'm a professional athlete. You do not work there. I'm a professional athlete. I'm paid by ASICs. If you guys want to follow my, uh, I, I, I have a gun to my head to train for this marathon. You can follow me over at Runkeeper. I'll put a, a link in this episode description. Okay, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Would you tell your agent about your ASICs deal? I send it to my lawyer. 
And yeah. she said, I can't advise taking I this. I cannot <laughs> advise this. This is not a good deal. She said, this is not a good deal. <laughs> and I said, well, whatever. I'm, gonna do, I'm, not doing I'm glad it. I gave 10% of it to you, you dumb bitch. Oh, uh, no, she's wonderful. And she did not ask for 10% of what I'm being paid. Okay, good. She didn't ask for. She didn't get a collar no. for one of your shirts. She didn't get a shirt. She didn't get a set of shoelaces. But hey, man, I'm a professional athlete. It's professional athlete This life. is actually not a deal. Uh, <laughs> she goes, you got to do what? I go, I had to run uh, like 900 miles. For why? I don't, I'm bored, man. But at least you'll get in shape. No, it'll destroy my <laughs> knees. No, my knees are, like the whole thing was the original marathon destroyed my uh -huh. knee. This one, the idea is to run the marathon and not have a knee destroyed, which is what I'm banking on. This is just a inside. Yeah, well, the day I get some shoes is the day I'll agree with you. But okay. until that day, right. Asics can suck it. Whoa, I'm going to bleep that. Okay? I know you are. Right. I know you are. And that's why I'm worried about no, I'm you. I'm going to bleep it. But okay. uh, but the idea is when I inevitably do not run my three hour and 30 minute marathon because it's I mean, I'm going to try, uh -huh. but it, that is very fast. I'm going to be like, well, I didn't hurt myself and I got in shape. So what's I've, the bonus? I, there's no bonuses. Come on. You run it. You get a bonus. No. Talk no, to them. Okay. I'll talk to them. <laughs> I'll be your agent. OK, OK, OK. Look, I'm going to also agree. None of these are good deals. All right. All right. But I'll get you something. Either way, I'm in the midst of it. I'm, I had to. I, uh, Nick Nick hit me up this morning. Do you want to watch football? I'm like, I got to run 12 miles. And he said, this is not your job. It is, Nick. It is my job. Also, Nick and I want every one of our listeners to start watching the show Big Sky so that we can dish about it. Right, Nick? Uh, I guess. Yeah. No, this was a this this was a surprise. That you're demanding this of your people, but it's not a surprise because uh, you have not shut up about the show Big Sky since we watched it. Of course, we watched it because uh, it stars my good friend Jeffrey Joseph as ninth lead. And so we watched it thinking, whatever, it's an ABC drama. Right. This is not going to be good. I'm mm -hmm. excited to see Jeff. Yes. And we watched it and it was like... It's the worst. It was basically like the... The premiere of Lost. For yes, us. it was. It was the premiere of Lost for us. But I think this is a quarantine Lost because it's so bad. We have no other options. So now we're just I'm forcing Big Sky on everybody. It's yeah. not Lost in the way that like Lost was great. This is so bad that I just need everybody to watch it so I can talk about it all the time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. Oh, back. Get up. Okay, okay. You don't like it? I mean, I enjoy it, but it's not. Brooks, it's good. Okay, my bad. Just let yourself love it. All right. You already love it. It's your favorite thing. It's my favorite thing. It's good. Okay, fine. It's good. It's perfect. It's better than Lost. It, it doesn't have to be good. I mean, perfect. It's good. I would... In the first, if you're if you're unfamiliar with big, what Big Sky is, it's ABC's big new show, and um, in the first, I would say... Eight seconds, one woman says to another one, you've been sleeping with my husband. And yeah. I was in. I think that they there do, were... They do not take their foot off the gas. There were there. probably four moments in there where I was like, fuck, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> fuck, that's good. And and that's not even that one you just mentioned. Oh, man. This is a good show. All right, fine. At, at least once an act, you're like, fuck. Oh. And it's David E. Kelly, man. The guy's a legend. Who? What else did he make? Ali McBeal. I don't know. Private... No, not private practice. Uh, Boston Illegal. Don't Boston Public. Don't know it. Uh, uh, Picket Fences. Mm, Incredible. No well, Big Sky. He also Married made Big Sky. I love it. to Michelle Pfeiffer. 
Congratulations, Michelle Pfeiffer. You're married to a hunk. Um, a uh, hunk? Oh, yeah. You know that I mean, guy who's always writing. <laughs> just avoiding the sun. Okay. Well, we got to get to this week's listener mail after I gave everybody the homework of Big Sky and the only the first episode of We Are Champions. Um, we got it, some great listener mail this week. Uh, shout out to a listener. I won't say her name, but she just literally sent an email to, in to introlevelbrooksweeland.gmail.com to tell me that she did cocaine while working at a subway. That's great. Congratulations. Um, Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. She just said that she had a friend that worked there, too, and he's like, I left you a surprise in the back, and it was cocaine, and then they did it and worked at Subway. And I was like, I'm not oh. going to read that whole story, but I will give it a shout-out. Yeah, for sure. That's um, it. It's it's weird because it sounds fun, and then if you think about it, you're like, mm, <laughs> it actually sounds not terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's not actually fun that's at all. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Save it for after. Yeah. You're not going to be working there forever. You get a break. <laughs> It's the first time you get high when you're working. You get stoned when you're working. Afterwards, stone. you could you could do the uppers. <laughs> okay. All right, so that's just a little entry level <laughs> scoop. No cocaine at work. Uh, we're not a cocaine at work. That's an official entry level. It, it, we, we're going to take a hard and fast stance. <laughs> we are not a cocaine at work podcast. We are a don't do your work podcast. Okay. Weed at work is great. Uh, the uppers can be for your own time. Uh, yeah, that's you time. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's when you got some organizing you want to not do. <laughs> okay, but then so then we got uh, a different um, email. I think I think his name's David. Let me let me just make sure real quick. I have it pulled up right here. Um, uh, Derek. His name's Derek, and he sent in a fun email uh, called Bike Shop Job. Okay, so Derek starts off with so this is how me and basically the whole staff, including the store manager, got fired. Love yeah. it. Love and love. Wait, is anyone untouched in I this? I, I don't I know. Can't wait. I just love how I love anytime it's like we're we're losing everybody. We're Everybody's got to go. We're gonna close this store. We're cleaning house. I like a cleaning house. I like thing. when the general manager comes and he just shakes his head, <laughs> lights a match. <laughs> regional manager. Oh yeah, I like when the regional manager comes and goes. The gigs up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they know about the fifth store. Yeah. <laughs> So he starts off with, I had just moved to New York City and took the first jig job. Jig is up. Jig. The jig is up. You're right. But the gig, too. Well, the gig, <laughs> the gig was the jig. Yes, the gig was up in this case. Yeah. I had, You're correct. Man, we're on fire today. <laughs> I had just moved to New York City and took the first job I was offered. It was at a bike shop near Union Square where I fam cool. not famously. That's I got, a cool job. I got doored by a car there one time. Uh, I got hit by a car while I was walking across the street at, at Union Square. Yeah. That's where I got. That's where a guy opened up a cab and I hit the door and I flew on top of the oh, cab. Oh yeah, dude! I needed to pee so bad. We were going to the movies. I got out. <laughs> yes, I love that. I was running across the street. Okay. I was not paying attention. <laughs> I got hit. I I walked basically walked into a car that was moving, <laughs> and so I like I walked in. I hit the car. I tumbled into the middle of the street. I had a bag on me. <laughs> Everything in my bag went all on the street. Yeah. I got hit. And then I'm like, I immediately, you know, just all adrenaline. I got up. I'm like, I'm great. I'm better than before. I was like Trump after he got coronavirus. I'm like, never felt better. And I ran away. I got gathered my stuff. Oh, so when I got, I got doored at Union Square, the yeah. dude, the cat, the passenger opened up his door. I'm doing like 30 on my bike. Headphones on. No helmet. Hit the door, fly over the top, land on land on the hood of the cab. 
Oh my god, that's so, cool. So no, so the cab driver gets out. <laughs> no, the cab driver gets out. He goes, my my car. Oh, you didn't say yours. It's like he's like my car, my car, or whatever. And I'm like now on the ground, laying there. And the dude who opened the door walks over with a cane, and he goes, "I got a bad leg myself." And I go, "I didn't give it to you." <laughs> This is not a one for one. You just I guess shit up. happens to both of us. Yeah. No, the you're the only one in both of these stories. Yes, it was awful. And then the next day, my bike got stolen, even though it was destroyed. And I'm just like, God damn, I hate New York. I scratched a livery car real good once, and the guy was like, "That's not my car." <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it was, it was real okay. fuck good. So he's working at where Nick and I have both been hit by automobiles. Oh, for sure. <laughs> well, everything happens in Union Square. Life happens in Union oh, Square. Oh, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, so uh, he said the pay was shit, so we would smoke weed in the basement, steal the bike rental cash, make out with each other. Um, oh, make out with each other whenever we need it. Wait, hold on. Needed? Hold on. This is Derek. I, I, sounds like you're kissing your coworkers, which is cool, but... Uh, you, you worded it weird here. Yeah, Make out with each other the story. whenever we need it. Help getting parts from the back. Oh, you want to go get some parts from the back? And then they just go back there and smooch. Sure, yeah. Actually, you know what? I just need to read faster. Yeah. Um, he goes, and of course, steal bike parts. So we had a pretty good grift going. Sounds like you are just destroying this business, especially mm -hmm. with stealing the rental bike money. Basically, some German family would come in wanting four bikes to round around the sidewalks like assholes all day and would usually pay us in cash. Since we didn't actually sell anything, we would just since we didn't actually sell anything, we would just tear up the handwritten receipt and split the cash. I love this. Sometimes it could be up to a couple hundred bucks, so we'd split it, usually buy some beer at closing and get drunk. So like all good things, this didn't last forever. And a lot of us got, and this is a problem here, they got greedy. Uh-oh. You can't do this. You can't get greedy. They got greedy. Most of us were already stealing too many parts for our own bikes and the occasional chrome bag or two. Don't know what that is, but okay. And and how I got but how I got fired was pretty dumb. So everyone had our manager's login info so you could make refunds without bothering him. And one that's fun. Just you don't hey, don't bother me. Here's my info. You shouldn't be the manager. Uh <laughs> And one night, well, no one should. Right. <laughs> no one's like, hey, you're the best employee I've ever seen. You know what you are now? Assistant manager. Right. Exactly. OK, so and he goes in one night I used it to, uh, quote unquote, refund a guy for a one hundred dollar bike lock, which means he just was take giving this guy hundred dollars. except I was logged in, logged in with my credentials and used my managers for the refund um, boner move. So I got busted, and he wrote boner move. I, I don't say boner move. That This is a Derek original. No, so, I, I say boner move, but it means a different thing. Okay, you say it in the bedroom. You go boner move, mm -hmm. and then Lyra goes, please stop saying that. Mm -hmm. Every time I get a sex change, I say boner move. A sex change? Yeah, I don't feel good about it. Let's move on. <laughs> so you go back and forth? I would rather not talk about it anymore. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> So I got busted and was fired the next day by the district manager and one of the guys I was stealing with, but never rat it. Good on you, Derek. Um, shortly after, most of the staff was fired, including the store manager, since he was letting everyone steal and use his login. And then here's wow. the fun part about... Um, you can't let him use the login. No, God. Hey, guys, if you're going to steal, use my login. Come on. Here's my login if you're going to steal. That is not good. Okay, this is the fun part. He had it like... A, That's a carny move right there. Like, oh, God, I need that carny content. Email in introlovebrooksweeler.gmail.com. Oh, if you have any Lyra said that there was a carny on a real housewife, the new real housewives. What? A girl, one of them used to be a carny. Mm -hmm. But then... Oh, no, not... Or, or was it somewhere at work? Oh, it doesn't matter. Turns out... Uh, they were like from an upper crust acrobatic family. It doesn't or count. Something. Nope. It did not, not count. Carney. 
No, they were like stars. My attention just went so excited. I'm sorry. I was so excited. I'm sorry. Cirque du Soleil is not a carnival. (laughs) That's Uh, merch. Cirque du Soleil is not a carnival? That's merch. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, all right. I'll write that down. Yeah. Okay, I like that. Thank you, Nikki. Uh, Okay, so he has a fun quitting part, though, which I always enjoy. He goes... um, the only part of getting fired that felt good was yelling at the district manager. I love this. After he fired me, I went over to where we clocked in to grab my shit, and he thought I was clocking out. As I'm grabbing my stuff, he told me he would clock out for me. I was absolutely not worried about clocking out, so I yelled back at him, I'm sure you will, uh, which I was like, what? It goes, it felt good at the time, but now seems pretty subdued. <laughs> you know that like moment you're like, yeah and you feel so incredible but then later you're like man i should have said so many other things yeah every day of my life <laughs> this podcast <laughs> anyways that's my story i love the pod uh derek derek great story i love i love stealing i like that cocaine was not involved while you're on the clock um and that smooching and marijuana were those are both entry-level hard yeses um nick guess who's let's just get to this week's interview because it's it's fucking incredible. I had a lot to say, but I guess I won't. Go on. You caught me. <laughs> you just go, I got a sex change again. God, Nick, you didn't want to talk about it. I'm not good at improv. Oh, fuck. Uh, this week, you know who we got, Nick? I don't. Roy Wood Jr. Oh, my God. We got him. Brooks, do you talk about it? What do you mean? In here. Yeah, I think I did talk about you it. You do talk about yeah, it. I okay. think I talked about it. Uh, but it's fine. Um Roy Wood Jr. Can rules. I say it? No, that's Roy Wood Jr. is the best. Uh, I love him so much. He should. What What I did tell him when I was on his podcast, now that we can say that since he has already done this podcast, what I ended my time on his live show telling him drunk, and I believe it, as I said, you should be the host of The Daily Show. Okay, so I was over at Brooks' house. We talked about this last oh, week. Oh, we did. And I talked about it with Roy a little bit, about how I called into his new show, wasted okay uh and um, roy was really cool about it and i think he's the funniest person in the world and i really look up to roy and i admire him yeah that's a good get he fucking rules and he will definitely have some incredible sh- he is on an inc- he's on the daily show he's the best roy rules you know who roy is follow him on twitter watch his shit he rocks and i hope that you enjoy this interview anything from nick uh, oh rated improv once again Yo, shout out to Fifth Element for sponsoring this week's episode of Entry Level. Fifth Element is ultra-high MG CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They're specially designed for people with an active lifestyle, from weekend warriors to marathoners slash professional athletes like myself to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, a.k.a. 5E, are full-spectrum high-milligram hemp to help you whenever or wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the code ENTRYLEVEL to get 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. It's 50%, aka half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code ENTRYLEVEL. They sent me their product. I used it, of course. I love it. It's fun. CBD is rad. And if you use CBD at all in your life, why don't you go try half off at 5ehemp.com. Half off, 50% off. If you use CBD, why not try a new guy? These dudes rule. They send me stuff. They support this podcast. I love them. I'll put a link in this episode description that, it, that to go to 5ehemp.com and use the code entry level for half off. That's dope. 
Welcome to this week's episode of Entry Level. I'm here with Roy Wood Jr. Roy, how are you? Uh, hello, old friend Roy- Brooks. Pe- pe- people might know Roy from The Daily Show or his Comedy Central specials, but I know Roy from Penguins Comedy Club in Cedar Rapids selling, <laughs> selling prank calls from an Atlanta radio station, I think. Yes, or, or a, Birmingham. Some radio station. Yeah, Birmingham. Yeah, 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 okay. I was getting bootlegged immensely in those days. Dude, it was great. Yeah, uh, so we met so... I mean, you didn't meet me then. I was just running the lights, a big fan. I'm just a giant fan. And then the fact that you're so funny on The Daily Show, which was 10 years too late, but perfect. You know, I'm just like such a... I'm stoked you're doing the podcast. Thanks, man. Man, thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. It's a it's a funny and interesting premise, which well, to me is more... Well, how I try to decide on podcasts now because there's a lot of people mm-hmm. that are not asking good questions. You know who they are. <laughs> well, and this Try came about harder. too because you, you have, um, you were doing um, a like a live stream where you were asking people about their good jobs and their best worst job stories. Yeah, like basically. So what I'm trying, what I'm developing as a podcast, but it's more about employment and people that are hiring right now, and then just exploring. Mm-hmm the world of employment, the way we do relationships. Cause it's the one thing I think it's a connector between people. I mean, you know that you do this podcast, everybody's had a job, yeah. everybody's worked somewhere. Yeah. So, you know, what I was trying to do is basically do something that's centered around the world of, because of all of this unemployment that's happening right now, I think it's good mm-hmm. to hear some places that, cause it could give you some ideas of where the fuck to go look for a job too. So that's no, part of why it, we're doing it's, it. It's called Roy's job fair. It should be up and running by the top of the year. You know, maybe no, by the time it's, this it's up, great. Yeah. The whole, the whole point of this podcast was so people like when I worked at a job and I hated it, I wanted to hear it. I, this is like a job for you to listen to while you have other ambitions. So you don't feel bad about being <laughs> shitty at your job. Uh, but so I was hammered. It was during that long election week. <laughs> and yes. I get some tweets like, hey, join in, join in, call into Roy's podcast. And Nick Turner was over here. I don't know if you know Nick, but he was like, buddy, do not call into Roy's <laughs> podcast. <laughs> you did it. And it was some meaningful conversation, bro. And I Well, I was you. just, yeah, I was just like, you know, first of all, wasted. And then just being like, forgot what the topic of the podcast was and just talking about how much I loved you. And you're like, okay, man. Okay. And also forgot my front facing camera didn't work. And so it was stupid to do that. Yeah, you were pretty high or pretty drunk or you were pretty something, but we celebrated it, was, it and I didn't make fun of you. No, you were so nice, but I was like, I texted Turner after it got over. I go, why did you let me do that? Even though, <laughs> But Roy, you're the best. We did a, we did a weekend together one time in uh, Seattle. That was very fun for me. R.I.P. to, to, to watch the you. Parlor Live in Bellevue, Washington. It is those no guys were more. great. No more. Okay, no more. but this job isn't about Roy Wood's success. Which also, if you don't, I'll put a link in this episode description. Follow Roy on Twitter. Consistently, two to three top tweets of the week every day out of Roy. Like when you gave your yeah. son the bill. Oh, I got to do for that his again. lunch. Oh yeah, I invoice my son when I fix his toys, as if he's visiting yeah. an auto body shop, and that's just to teach him the concept of paying bills and how, yeah, this is gonna cost you two of those quarters in your piggy bank. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Um, so check out. I'll put a link, but and then watch the Daily Show, which is incredible. Um, but this isn't about all of that. 
I'm excited to talk to Roy Wood Jr. about all the jobs he had before comedy. Uh, so, Roy, where are you from, and what was your first job? Um, I am from Birmingham, Alabama. When you say first job, what, all right, it, it's up. It's up to you. I would say cutting. I didn't cut grass. I raked leaves. Okay, like how was, old are you I walking was a around? Lawn guy. This is probably seventh, eighth grade. Mm-hmm. You know, I figured out that if I wanted to get more Nintendo tapes, this is Birmingham circa 1990, 91 for seventh, eighth grade or whatever, if you're trying to guess my age. <laughs> um, and so to get a new Nintendo tape, right? I figured out, oh, well, if I can rake leaves, then that's a quick, easy way to get money. Chores was only giving me an extra 10 bucks a week, so that's 40. Nintendo tapes were going for 50, and at this rate, I'm just not going to get enough. And so I would I would go out on the weekends, and I would just door knock around the west side of Birmingham, just a kid with a, bag of, a box of trash bags and a rake. Hey, do you want me to rake your lawn? $10 front, 15 front and back. And the average house took about two to three hours. If I knocked out two houses a day, that was a good day. And so that became my thing. I would rake leaves, bag the leaves, put them on the curb. And there was one night that I was feeling, (laughs) I was feeling edgy. The houses where they said no, and they felt like they didn't have enough leaves to be raked. And they would just straight tell me no. I would get the leaves from the houses that I raked. And sprinkle those leaves in the houses that told me no. <laughs> and then go back and knock the next day. And they would still say no. I'm like, you motherfucker. Yes. So Well, they're like they're like, we told you no. Then you you opposite of robbed us. You gave us new leaves. Double no now. Yeah, and so so I raked leaves and then um I remember my freshman year of high school. Um, I got sent to summer school. I flunked algebra and I got sent to summer school up at West End High School, which is the high school around the corner from me. And it's weird how in your neighborhood, I guess depending, it depends on where you grow up. But for where I grew up, because of the way gangs were, because of the way gangs operated, you're better off staying in the neighborhood where gang members know you than going okay. around the corner. You're not going to get shot. But or at least in those days, you weren't going to get shot. But you might get your, sh- your shit robbed. They may take your fucking candy. They'll like dudes will wait for you to go in the store, stock up on candy and then come out and just fucking just take all your candy. So I didn't really fuck with that side of that side of West End too often. I go to summer school and I'm hanging with kids who do fuck with that side of West End. So I would walk with them to a corner store that I normally wouldn't go to. And I noticed every Thursday that the cashier had to rake the leaves or like sweep the leaves up in the parking lot. That was his job. Every Thursday was to sweep the leaves. But every time someone came in the store, he had to stop sweeping the leaves and go inside and deal with the fuck. So I peeped that two weeks in a row and I go to him and I go, yo man, I know you don't want to rake those fucking leaves. So how about this? $10 candy credit every Thursday. I know you don't want to give me money, so $10 candy credit. I'll go out there and I'll rake those fucking leaves for you. 
That's fine by me, little young motherfucker. Go right ahead. (laughs) And he didn't care. It's not his shit. So, dude, I would come home every day. Summer school was the fucking greatest freshman year. I came home. (laughs) Do you know how much shit you can get with $10 as a 14-year-old? Like, just three for a dollar honey buns and just fucking Laffy Taffy's and Nowlators and Boston baked beans for 15 cent a box, Brooks. Do you understand <laughs> the fucking bounty that I came home with? And so that was a job that I did on a regular. My first job with an actual pay stub and a uh, federal tax return. I was 15 years old. Wait, so, uh, so did anybody, did anybody end up fucking with you a, 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 ever uh, while you were raking leaves? Like any like get out of here or no? Nah, because, Just no because you saw me with kids you recognize. So that's the past. Okay. So okay, good. if you see me walking from summer school with other kids that you recognize, the bangers wouldn't fuck with you. So then once summer school ended, I kind of mm-hmm. had the green light to venture back to that side of town every week to get my okay. $10, to get my $10 in candy, oh. which sometimes I would take the $10 <laughs> credit and then I would just sell that shit around the neighborhood. Like if I needed a quick file, like if I would rather have McDonald's, I would mm-hmm. go get $10 worth of candy, sell the whole bag for $5. Yep. And then go get an all-American meal with an apple pie. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, I I did the opposite, but with uh, my mo- like my parents one time bought Squirt, like a 12-pack of Squirt. And I was like, <laughs> nobody wants Squirt. That so yellow, I took it to school. Weird, yeah, sprite, yellow. mellow yellow, was, no man's yeah. land flavor. Yeah, so I was, like, I was like, who the fuck wants Squirt? Nobody in this house wants Squirt. So I took it to school and tried to sell hot cans of Squirt out of my locker. <laughs> no one's, And then everyone's like, we don't want... We want soda, but we don't want hot squirt. Uh, so I didn't make any money. I ended up eating eating squirt. Yeah, I I didn't do a lot of selling at school. Ironically, that wasn't my hustle. I just I wasn't cut out for that. I mean, later in college I would be, but like okay. there were guys that sold. Like I sold I sold the fundraising shit. The fucking ordered mm. the chocolate log or the weird <laughs> twenty dollar chocolate turtle peanut caramel monstrosity shit i would sell that our baseball mm-hmm. team freshman year we sold chips to um to raise money for new uniforms um the the thing the reason why i didn't like fucking with the fundraisers though is that i would always spend the money before it was due with the anticipation <laughs> of reimbursing the pot with my paychecks yes. from subway at the time i was working at subway we skipped baskin robbins we'll back okay uh- Wait, okay, yeah, we'll go back to it. And so one time the money was due faster than I could get it, and I ended up having to work a daily work, daily pay job. (laughs) I worked day labor on the weekend in Birmingham to pick up extra money because, you know, the child labor law, you know, they cut you off at like 20, 25 hours, but there's Mm -hmm. no way of checking that against um, contract labor or day (laughs) this is this is because you sold at you you spent all your baseball money and you owed your own baseball. Yeah, I was money. like thirty dollars in the hole on potato chip money for our uniforms. So <laughs> I would go and just fucking do weird fucking odd jobs around the city. Okay, and that's kind of how I I would make that money back. And I just you know I'm one of those guys where I've always been at the edge, but I've never fallen off of it. So. Mm-hmm. Which is great now as an adult because it gives me a calm in the face of calamity. 
But those were very right. scary times where the, <laughs> it's it's Saturday morning and you need thirty five fucking dollars by fucking and it's the spring ain't no leaves bitch so there's nothing to rake and you don't have a fucking <laughs> you don't you don't have a fucking lawnmower so I couldn't cut grass so yeah I I was always kind of mixing and matching jobs like I was never the kid that had the one job. All the wow, way through high school. It was just, I was a mercenary, bro. Okay, all right. Let's get to this first. Let's get to, sounds like it was Baskin Robbins before the step up to the subway. And then we can get into what I feel like are the, pro, what r- went wrong with subway. Because you worked there in the fucking heyday. Oh, bro, I could tell you a story about subway that'll break your goddamn heart. Um, yeah. First Baskin Robbins. So, okay. so I'm 15. And I decided I want a job at the mall. I just want to work at the mall. I don't know where in the mall I want to work, but the mall job was like the only way I could describe it to someone under 30. The mall was literally Twitter in person. There were just all of these different social circles. There was all of these pecking orders and cool kids over here those places socialized there were also fights i was at the black yep. mall so there were fights at the mall i was in the iowa mall fights <laughs> in the iowa mall and so that was like the place to be and so i figure fuck it i'll try baskin robbins and i had on a suit my mom insisted that i wear a suit in case mm-hmm. you get interviewed on the spot <laughs> and she like, was right good. Yeah, that's a great mom advice. She was right, bro. I walked in, and this dude, Ross Galliano, motherfucker, hired me on the spot, bro. Hired me on the fucking spot (laughs) and sent me back out the door with a pink Baskin-Robbins uniform shirt. And my mom took me over to to Kmart to get get a pair of khakis, to get a pair of work Mm. khakis. And I went home and watched my little Baskin Robin training video to learn how to scoop the ice cream. Two point oh, five cl- ounces per scoop. That's clever on them to not have to pay you to learn on the job. They send you home with the VA. Yeah, that's back in the day where you got sent home with like a basically a, a video that was shot in the seventies on how to do your job right. in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody in the fucking videos probably a grown up with four kids by now. Right. But yeah, it was that was that was a cool job, man. You know, pretty much everybody I met I met so many people in that ice cream shop because, you know, the Black Mall is a very interesting place. I mean, Birmingham only had two. And a lot of that I would attribute some of that to, you know, meeting more and more people. I I had the gift I was very fortunate in Birmingham because I went to a bunch of different school systems and I worked in a lot of different neighborhoods that I mm-hmm. met a lot of different people in the city. So okay. that as I got older, I was more connected to the fabric of the city, you know, including cool. going to the Boys and Girls Club. So Baskin Robbins was cool because there was like those little fast fashion shops. There was one called uh, Simply Seven. Simply six, and then there was one called five seven nine, where everything in the store was five seven or nine dollars, and so <laughs> the girls from five seven nine would come down to Baskin Robbins, and they were fucking gorgeous, bro. 
and mm-hmm. I'm 19 wearing a pink polo tucked in <laughs> making banana and it, like like in that sense where unup, unobtainable gorgeous mm-hmm. does that make sense where like you're in the ninth grade yeah, and this woman yeah, is a senior in high school wait, like that's a woman so wait you said so She's wait you, you said 19 you meant you meant 15 right yeah I'm 15 they're damn near 19 okay, yeah. yeah 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 Yes. Okay. So you said you were nineteen. I was like, okay, they're nineteen. You're fifteen. Yes. These are unattainable women. When you're fifteen and just, you meet like an eighteen or a nineteen year old woman, like that's just like that's she no, may as well be fifty. You're, yes, you're you're a woman. You are. You know, you could be in a movie, and I'm over here making uh, video game money, and I'm very happy about my video game. Bro, money. it was literally the wildest shit. And my idea of flirting was to not make eye contact with these women. <laughs> but I would put extra... I, so the Baskin-Robbins training video, it's two and a half... Um, it's two ounces. and a half ounces per scoop. And the way you're mm-hmm. supposed to measure it, you scoop the ice cream in the tub, you're supposed to scoop from 12 o'clock to 6 o'clock, and then you go back okay. to 12 o'clock, and you go 12 o'clock... Clockwise, you go twelve o'clock to six counterclockwise, and then you go right twelve to six clockwise, and you meet in the middle at six o'clock, and you okay. mush those two scoops together, and that should be ballpark two and a half ounces. But what I would okay. do when the girls from five seven nine <laughs> would come in, I would pull shards of ice cream from the middle of the tub and mm. pack it into the fucking center of the cone. So oh, man. I'm. Pa- Hard pack, bro. I'm packing. You've got four ounces of ice cream in the tube of your cake cone. Then I give you yeah. the two and a half on top. <laughs> and that was how I and flirted. But n- yeah. not realizing they didn't give a f- They don't know that they got extra. No. No, they have no idea. They're, they're not like, man, we got to we gotta fuck this 15-year-old. He is packing the cone. Not a, not a chance. <laughs> what would happen is they would come in and get their ice cream and then – the guys from Foot Locker, that's the other thing about the mall. You're never going to be cooler than the black guy working at the sneaker store. Nobody's yeah. cooler. It's literally no. in the mall pecking order. If you work in food, you are in the lower caste system. <laughs> if you work food. Now, I'm good because it's not funky-ass grease, and I'm not sweating. Right. But it's still food, so it's kind of less yeah. than but if you worked in sneakers or you worked in the record shop or you you were the oh. weird one with you work at Spencer's Gift with your fucking black mm-hmm. fingernail polish or some shit yep you could get you could you could talk to the girls from 579 i could not talk right. to the girls from 579 and that was like like just like just a straight up crush fucking every <laughs> every fucking week this girl would come in and order ice cream. And then one night, finally, we're sitting on the curb talking, both waiting for our parents to come pick us up. Not realizing, knowing what I know now, that like, oh, you're just as fucking broke as I am. You're just a fucking high school student with no car. Right. You know, your mom to come pick you up. Um, oh. So so the job was short-lived. So he- this, all, this all happens over the course of three months. I have to quit the job as soon as school started because my mom didn't want to come pick me up anymore. And she was, I think she was starting law school. Whatever it was, there was a there was a night conflict where my mom was okay. going to be able to come pick me up. And my manager, God bless him, he took me home most of the time. But 
He oh wow, that's wanna, a good dude. But he didn't want to. Who the fuck wants to take an no. employee? You don't want to be there. We've all been the employee without the car, and I was that right. guy. And no one. And you dread working the shift with the employee with no car. <laughs> like, I remember, I had this. Maybe you had this like at Subway, uh, but I worked at Papa John's, and I, in my dumb fifteen-year-old brain, was like, "I'm gonna quit." And by quitting, they're gonna be like, "We can't lose you." We're going to give oh, you a big no. raise. Oh, no. <laughs> and when I did my big quit, they go, that's fine. We can get literally anyone to do this. And I was like, oh, fuck. I just quit my job. Yes, bye-bye. Um, uh, so so you have a, a, a three-month love affair at the mall. of just it's You love it. It, it was like my it. only mall job. Oh, the guy who okay. works at the sports apparel stores. Like, they sell all the throwback jerseys and Mm-hmm. Green Bay Packer mugs and all of that random shit. That guy right. could talk to the girls at five seven nine, <laughs> but you know I couldn't talk to yeah. the girls at five seven nine. Well, I'm sorry about that. I mean, now you can, even though you're married and have a wonderful family. But I bet now you could go into five seven nine. You know, oh, I'm get some. Dangerous. I could go into five seven nine and probably buy two racks of clothing. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so I, I leave I leave Baskin Robbins, and I'm I'm 15 at this point. I'm getting ready to turn 16, and mm-hmm. so I get a job at Subway, and there was a Subway right near my school, right near my high and this school. This is when Subway, and this is when Subway's good. I can't stress that enough. Subway used to be. No good. one understands that. No one. If you tell people that Subway used to be. As respected, like the way motherfuckers run the Chipotle now, and yes, fucking guacamole is that Subway was a goddamn privilege. You walked into fucking school with that sandwich, instant jealousy. The concept of meatballs on a sandwich did not exist before this fucking establishment. It was fucking as groundbreaking as the Pizza Hut bacon cheeseburger (laughs) pizza. Yes, and also, dude. I've, I've talked about it on this podcast before. I think the way the ways they fucked up. Number one, you lose that tri top, that tri top cut. The U gouge. What are we doing anymore? The U gouge is the professional name for that, by the oh, way. Oh, the U gouge. Which that was so fun. Which you can still request. You can. You can request that they cut your bread in a U gouge. God bless you if you can find someone that knows it because they don't really practice it anymore. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the yep. U gouge assured that the bread stayed in fucking place. It held everything. It was part of the the fucking engineering of the sandwich. Yes, and also, dude, I loved this. Th- I would go there. I would get the U gouge seafood sensation, and it was fucking heaven. Yep. And they got rid. They discontinued the goddamn seafood sensation. They started cutting the sandwiches in half. And now I haven't been in a subway in eight years so you were in you were a subway fan when it was still three for 12 footlongs on front on sundays you could get i mean any footlong uh, yes I, yeah dude because those were our I'm busy just saying, days like that, that that adds up because i just remember like we would get to go to subway and like I, subway was the fucking best restaurant in my small town so i want to hear your point of view on subway when you got to work, work there so subway when i started working there was still a white establishment it was as as revered as Chick-fil-A, mm. and this is before Chick-fil-A's real rise to dominance, but the way that pe- – I can't even compare it to anything. Like, remember when you first walked in Panera 
and it was all of these possibilities and sandwiches and you can do it and you get to watch them make it what that's fucking insane so it was a great job it was a great job the food was good you got a free six inch every shift i started figuring out how to you know, rejigger the bread count. So, you know, I can make a couple sandwiches disappear. (laughs) They, I don't know if they still do this now, but in those days in you know, 94, 95, you had to count every stick of bread had to be accounted for the same way you count down the register to account for every coin, Mm -hmm. every stick of bread, even the ones that you burned or overproofed any waste, it all had to be accounted for. Um, and everybody came in there, doctors, kids, like and this was the at the time this was the subway that was closest to UAB's medical center, and so the cool thing about this job is that it was in uh, the Five Point South Bar District. You know, for my Alabama people listening, this is the subway that used to be where the Pickwick right next to the Pickwick Hotel on Twentieth Street, and so sounds like a nice subway. Fifteen, I'm fifteen years old. I'm working closing shifts at one in the morning. On Friday nights, highly illegal, but right. my owner didn't give a fuck, and I needed the money, so it was a perfect marriage, and that <laughs> yeah. was my first interaction with drunks and people yelling, homeless people shitting in the bathroom on the floor, just you name it, <sighs> and then we weren't allowed to close if the if we were still if we were still um, if there was still a line. You cannot lock the door. That was the policy, which I also, knowing what I know now, extremely illegal, bro. That's so illegal. Extremely illegal. That's so illegal. That's a nightmare. But that's how my owner fucking rolled, bro. Yeah, I mean, sounds like a busy ass subway. It was. It was. It was a. It was the one of the busiest subways in the city, because we handled all of the catering orders for anything in downtown. Because there was the next subway was fucking. 15, 20 minutes. Imagine that. Imagine thinking that you had to go 20 minutes before you see the next subway. <laughs> I, uh, dude, so w- I went to uh, do comedy in Melbourne. Uh, they love it when you use a hard R in their city, Melbourne. Melbourne. Uh, but uh, they, they still have the seafood sensation down in Australia. <laughs> and so <laughs> I had subway uh. like seven or eight times in the five days I was in Australia. And my girlfriend at the time was like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, I'm living in the 90s, baby. I love this fucking place. Bro, I went to, this is unrelated at all. Um, I was in Japan and the mm. best fish sandwich, top three fish sandwiches all time. Burger King BK Big Fish in Tokyo. <laughs> I ate it four days in a row. I ate it four it's days so in good. a row, and I and, and a lot of people say this though is that fast food tastes better overseas because their EPAs don't allow all the fuck shit to go in the meat that we do in the states, okay. so mm-hmm. the food actually has more flavor. And then Japanese mayo is just on another level from American mayo. Okay, that like if you ever get a chance, go in one of these specialty stores in your respective Asia town, Chinatown, Koreatown, wherever the fuck, find it. That shit is fucking amazing and magical. Um, Incredible. So the subway, right? So okay, yeah. You had you said you had a story that was going to. This is where this is so this is what I'm getting to. So the next year, so this subway does so well. My owner opens another one. 
about eight blocks down the street closer to the hospital. And that becomes the Med Center subway, still standing to this day. Med Center subway, I think 18th Street and 5th Ave, next to the Milos. So Med Center subway, I don't know, COVID might have killed it off. But Med Center subway handles all of the hospital orders. So Birmingham, just for people who don't know, um, uh, Alabama Birmingham is the only level one trauma center in the state of Alabama. It's a hub of sports medicine. Just that's what Miami is to cocaine is what Birmingham is to medicine and doctoring and all of that (laughs) shit. I don't know if that analogy made sense. No, I mean, it makes sense. It's like, you know, the, the hub of the college town, right? I mean, like that's. It's like in Iowa, if you get like hurt, you go to Iowa City, like no matter where you are in Iowa. Correct. Because that's, it's like, this is where this, we all concentrate it. The, the, the 50 pe- smartest people live here. If it is, if it is a knee or a shoulder, most professional athletes get the surgery in Birmingham. It is a, oh yeah. Is Dr. James I, Andrews. I, I don't know if you've heard that name in no, sports. I think I have I watched the WWE like doc where it's like a guy getting back and he's in Birmingham the whole time. Rehabbing. Sports medicine. It's superior. Yeah. Sports medicine superior to shit that exists anywhere else in the country. My point is there's a shit ton of fucking doctors. Okay. Med Center Subway takes off. Pickwick Subway still doing numbers. Now I'm at a point where I'm on register. I'm a shift leader. I have a lot more responsibilities, which is still even odd that I'm 17 and I'm ordering around 30 year old men. Yeah. You know, hey, Frank, make sure you fucking chop up some lettuce and bag it, bitch. I'm 17. So I started doing the numbers, bro. This is my senior year. And eventually, I, 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 this is going, I'm getting ready to graduate. It's my senior year of college. You know, my father passed that October. Oh, you went to to college? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. High school. High school. Um, Okay. Okay. So my senior year of high school, my father dies that October. I'm still working at Subway. And I'm picking up, you know, at this point, I worked at Health South at this point at a rehab hospital, too. But Subway, I kind of have still one foot in the door at Mm -hmm. Subway. And... I'm looking at the numbers and I start extrapolating the numbers for a night of sales. And then I do the average of that over the course of, you know, seven days over the course of 30 days, over the course of 12 months, minus labor, minus food costs, which I know at this point. And so I'm doing the math and I could be wrong, but my 17, my 16, 17 year old math brain deduced that my owner was pulling down $250,000 in profit from a single subway location. And that's just the Pickwick numbers. We don't even know. And so I guess, all right, med center charges a little more because they're closer. Um, He's got to be pulling down 250 to 300 there. This motherfucker makes half a million dollars a year. And I literally only see him once a month. All mm-hmm. he does is come in and pull the surveillance tapes to watch us and then have a staff meeting Ugh. to tell us where you've been fucking up on tape. So God. I'm like, fuck, man, this is a good hustle. So so I call 
like on some legit shit. I go, this seems like no, a good hustle. Yes, it's just an investment that's paid off. So my mom is on my ass about applying for student loans and all of this shit. And I go, yo, I've done some research. And I think we should open a subway. Now, mind you, my father's just, if my dad, if my dad isn't dead, I bet you my life is different, bro. But my dad, my father has died. My mom is doing everything she can to keep the IRS from coming and taking the house. Well, how how did your dad pass away? My dad did he just prostate cancer, so we knew it was coming. Oh man, but I'm sorry. Well, I mean that's 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 life, you know. I just wish he'd have left yeah. us in a better situation on the tax side of things because sure. my father was on some militant shit. Fuck that, I ain't paying for no y'all treat the black man like shit. I ain't kicking in on this oppressive system. I ain't paying no taxes. So my dad, I don't know how he got away with it. Motherfucker didn't pay taxes 25 years. <laughs> Oh shit! He dies. This motherfucker's not. His body's not even at the funeral home yet. And the IRS is like, yeah. So, uh, heard the bad news. Oh my god, uh, dude! We gonna need to get this house unless you got all these back taxes. This motherfucker owe us. So my Jeez. mom spends my entire senior year of high school just dragging out the IRS battle so that we don't have to move in the middle of the school year. Okay, that's incredible. Do you do you, do you know Shane Torres? Oh yeah, love Shane. He's got a great joke about he was at a Cinnabon after his dad died and the IRS called and so everyone <laughs> surrounding him just heard saw him yelling at a Cinnabon into a phone. I ain't paying. <laughs> it's a so, great joke. So that's an important detail. My mom. Okay, is, who, is trying my to mom is working full time. My mom mm-hmm. is trying to finish up law school. Those are her two. Those, that's her world at that time, right? That's a big world. That's a that's a uh, tough world. So imagine when your teenage son walks in <laughs> with a franchisee brochure from Yomar Foods Incorporated <laughs> that says "How to Become a Subway Franchisee." <laughs> Brooks, the buy-in, the buy-in. In okay. 1995, to be the owner of a Subway restaurant was $70,000. Okay. $70,000, which means after that 70, you need a loan to get a building and to buy all of the fuck shit ovens and all of that fuckery. But a lot of that was included in the 70000 buy-in. And I lay this all out on paper to my mother, college professor, three, four degrees, my father, three, four degrees. And they've marched for voting rights. They all been hit over the head at various civil rights, wokey wokes. And I'm supposed to go to college and get that education. Knowledge is power. And then I walk into her fucking home one night with a brochure <laughs> from Yomar Foods. And I go, hey, man, um, we need to fuck with these sandwiches. <laughs> We're doing the U-cut. I said, hey, tell you about this U-gouch. This shit is amazing. U-gouch. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This shit is amazing. Boy, ain't nobody finna be making no motherfucking sandwiches. That's, uh, and at the time, also, Subway wasn't on the black side of town. And I go, Ma, I see black people coming here all the time. I'm telling you, black people eat Subway. You only eat Subway on special occasions when it's over there. Like, she couldn't see it. She just couldn't see it because she wasn't okay. working it. And I go, Ma, right. the same way I'm getting a loan to go to college, 
Let's do this. Let me get a loan to open the subway. I'll run it. And if it's not, and if it ain't popping in a year, we'll pass it off to someone else to run the day to day. And I'll still go to school. No, you ain't motherfucking. No, no, no. So I go to college. (laughs) That's the end of that. I go to college, bro. And I come back home like two. Where, two where do you years go to school? I, go, I went to Florida A and M in Tallahassee. Okay, Brad. About two years later, I come home, and there is a subway next door <laughs> to a brand new Blockbuster, and it never not had a line. And I fucking yeah. came in the house. This is one of the few times that I that I've cursed at my mother. Mm-hmm. I came in the house from a five hour drive, and my mom said. Can you run the subway real quick and get me a sandwich? And I just mumbled under my breath. I said, motherfucker, you could get it for free if you listen to me. Boy, what? <laughs> I And so there's three subways on the west side of Birmingham that are all owned by the same person. And that motherfucker's balling. Mm-hmm. He's fucking balling. He just had the bread. He had the vision and the bread. That's the problem with most dreams is that you just don't have the money. So well, that's what's good about fucking stand-up comedy is uh, it's where it's where when everything fails, we have this one dumb thing that costs nothing <laughs> that we can fucking skate on till we get some good gig. So let let's get into how you got into like stand-up. Like, what were you doing before? Like, how did you get to the, the radio gig? Oh God, radio! So I graduate college. So I started doing stand-up in college, junior okay. year. Um, I'm doing open mics around the South. I, I basically, I redo my class schedule to where it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays. So Friday morning, I could be anywhere within 10 hours in time for a show. Just hop in the Greyhound. So that's kind of how I did my thing. Graduate, I get back home. I got a degree in broadcast journalism. The radio station isn't hiring anyone knew at the time uh ricky smiley was he was the be all end all to this day he's still birmingham royalty when it comes to you know comedy and entertainment and charity so fucking ricky leaves the station the heritage station 95 7 jams and at the time i had i didn't have an air check tape which is in radio which is essentially your demo tape it's you Okay. Either really on the radio or pretending to be on the radio to give the program director an idea of how you would sound on air. So I had in college, I'd gotten an internship. Well, I created an internship for myself at Hot 105.7 <laughs> because that was the station I listened to every morning getting ready for school. And yeah. I kept listening every morning. I go, well, they don't have anybody doing news in the mornings. And so one of the class requirements was that we had to get an internship somewhere or show proof. Of, uh, so I emailed the guy that hosted the morning show. I go, hey, motherfucker, you want somebody to come in and read news for free and just tell my professor I was there? <laughs> he was like, yeah, cool. So I go to Hot 105 every morning from 5 a.m. to 7 a.m., uh, I'm sorry, from 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. And my job is to just do news. And so I wake up at 5 in my apartment right. and I pull down my news stories for the day. I would pick four stories and a little kicker, lighter side, funny chuckle story. Yeah. 
And so I And that shit is that shit is so exciting when you're doing it. When you're on the radio in college, you feel like I'm a prophet like I got it's just so exciting. Bananas. You know? Bananas, dude. It was the first time I felt like my father. My father did radio. And so Oh, really? I didn't know that. I was getting up literally the same time as my father, pulling stories from the wire, and then going into a studio and reading them on the air. So the comedian that was the co-host on the morning show at the time, um, he was a school teacher. So at 8 a.m., he had to fucking bounce to get to school by 8.30. (laughs) Yeah. So the host of the show, Van, it's just me and Van at this point. Van would turn to me, hey, man, if you want to hang, you can hang. And that's how I started, like, learning how to co-host a morning show and how to be a part, how to work as a team. And then it got to the point in the summer where the teacher didn't have to go to school anymore. He would let all three of us be on the air. And it was like, it was fucking love, man. So those air checks became the calling card that got me the leverage when I got to Birmingham to the radio station. I go, yo, here's my air checks. Let me on the radio. Uh, You know, can I enter whatever I need to do for free? I'm willing Mm -hmm. to do. Yeah. Radio host goes, fuck you, get lost. We're not fucking with comedians right now. I go, okay, cool. I said, all right. And so I'd been working at the comedy club in Birmingham, the Stardome. And the thing that I knew about the Stardome was that on any night that there was a black headliner, like on the weekends, like in those times in 01, it's D.O. Hughley. It said the entertainer, you know, it's Mm -hmm. Steve Harvey, you know, it's RNSJ and all Adele Givens, Queens of Comedy, some more, all of that shit. Right. Right. If they're working on a Friday, the radio station hosts the black nights at the comedy club. You know, like like for the people who don't know, right? On the on the, ours was uh, in in Iowa it was Scotty T. Scotty T hosted the radio and then he'd host the comedy. Correct, show. and it was just go. It's just a chance for the radio station to get in front of their listeners and go. Make sure you listen to us. Here's a T-shirt, and they throw a couple shirts off the stage. Yeah, and that yep, was it. Yep. And he was yeah. So I knew that. I knew that the guy who just told me fuck no is going to be at this comedy club on Friday night. Okay. So I go back to this guy and I go, hey, man, um, I know y'all aren't hiring the comedians right now. I guess y'all don't think anybody's funny. That's cool. I respect that. But check this. I'm opening for D.L. Hughley this Friday night at the comedy club. Just watch my set. Just watch my set. If I'm funny, I'm your intern. If I'm not funny, you don't even have to say shit to me at the club. And he goes, you got a deal. I go, okay, bet. So then I drive across town to the comedy club. Yeah. And I walk in and I get a sit down with Bruce Ayers, who's the owner. And I tell Bruce, hey, man, I just got hired at 95.7 Jams (laughs) as their new intern. They want me to host for D.O. Hughley this Friday night. If that's not cool, that's fine. But even if you don't want me to do any time, at least let me go out and promote the station. Mm-hmm. Bruce goes, oh, that's fine. Do some jokes dude, too. You, yes, this is so fucking. Do you walked you walked like a knife's edge on this fucking weekend? So that's Monday. So Friday comes. Now all I have to do is keep these two fuckers apart from each other. 
And so neither one of them knows what the other one is doing. And so Buckwild and and Africa, they show up. Those are the the morning show hosts. And they show up and Bruce sees all of us in the room. And then Bruce goes over to Buckwild and just goes, okay, so you guys will go out, do your thing. Let's just keep it to a minute. And then you'll bring up Roy. And then Roy, you'll bring up DL's opener. I was like, all right, cool. And Perfect. I go on stage, bro. And you know how you just, it's just one of those fucking nights where everything lines mm. up and you're just, you're fucking, you're, you're four for five with three homers yeah. and eight ribbies. You're funnier than you are. Yes. Like on some yeah, other world just, shit, bro. Yeah. With those jokes, I never got laughs that hard ever before or after yeah. that night. But on that fucking night, I was one of the funniest motherfuckers joke for joke with anybody else that touched that stage. And I come off the stage. I only do like four minutes. I come off stage. Yeah. Buck Wilder standing in there. And he says, see you Monday morning. Bring Krispy Kreme. Whoa. Fuck yeah. And so that was that started a 12, 13 year journey Holy through radio. Shit. And that was like, I don't know, man. Like that was, I mean, just when, to get the chance, you just have to fight to get the chance. And once I got the chance, yeah, no, then I just fucking no, outworked everybody. No, that's so dope. Okay. Cause when I met you, when you came through penguins, it's probably 2007, you were still doing radio and, but you're headlining, you're like the funniest, you know, like you're the funniest guy I've ever seen come through penguins. No disrespect to penguins. You're just Roy Wood Jr. And, you know, and then I found out you're also still, you're still a radio host in Birmingham. I'm like, how is this guy not like, yeah, I right? would drive back. So, so here's what I did. If the gig was within five hours of Birmingham, I drove back that night, period. Didn't matter where I was. If you're within five hours of Birmingham, the moment you walk off the stage, you get back in your car, you drive back to Birmingham, you get back at four in the morning, you sleep till six, you wake up, you do the show. You do post-show prep until noon. You take a nap for two hours. You wake up at three. You drive five hours back. You get back to the club 30 minutes before show starts. Holy Wash, shit. Wash, repeat. So yep. you're sleeping in three-hour. You get two three-hour sleep breaks, but you never get yeah, six hours. Yeah, it's like that episode of Seinfeld where Kramer tries to sleep like 20 minutes every three hours, and then it, he slowly he slowly cracks. Yeah. He just, yeah. So on the weekends, right? So for a gig like Penguins, Penguins is not five hours from Birmingham. So No, it's much further. So then I was the intern. I was never a true co-host, so it was never my job oh, to wow. be on the mic in those days. It was cool if I was funny, but I was fourth chair. So... You don't need me, and it's kind of why I'm quiet to this day in large groups, because if I don't have anything funny to add, my default is to just shut the fuck up, because that's what I was taught. That's what was drilled mm-hmm. into my head in radio. Plus, you're not here for my opinions on fucking Mariah Carey dating Nick Cannon rumors. That's how long ago this was. They were just rumored. They weren't even a couple <laughs> or married or had kids yet. Like, you 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 didn't you don't get no one gives a fuck with this fourth chair dude. Every opinion's been stepped on by the time it's my turn to talk. But I can mm-hmm. pre-produce parody songs, sketches, fake commercials, and prank phone calls out the ass, and that's where I shine. So I just pre-produce. So on a Fucking, Friday, so this is all. This is I'm just saying. This is all also completely the skills required to be a Daily Show correspondent. Yeah. 
without realizing just, that you're working that that fucking muscle, it's yeah. Take what everybody's talking about and find a different angle on it and present that to the people. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we literally, man, we would, I would, I would get off the air, you know, at like nine o'clock on a Thursday. And I would stop, I would pre record the fuck out of shit until noon. And then that would be Friday's pre produced segments. And I would drop them bitches okay. in Buck's hand. Hey, man. Play this at 710, play this at 753, play this one at 820. Here's your 9 o'clock prank. Here's your 945 kicker. I'll see y'all on Monday. Yeah. And so then you could drive to Cedar Rapids and do your weekend. And those prank calls, Mm -hmm. man, I, I used to take those pranks and give them to other DJs in other cities where I wasn't getting booked and use it as leverage to get those comedy clubs to book me. We played, I remember like you... You were so funny, and like I was like I just you know was the I worked at the club and I just did like all the bullshit. I'm sure I didn't even get to host your weekend because people came to it. I only got to host bad weekends, uh, but I remember we play we would play. You weren't even there. We would play your commercials before shows to get people in good not commercials. Your prank calls we'd play before the comedy show. <laughs> <laughs> as just like because it's way more fun than music you know and it gets everybody listening and i was like we should get roy's prank calls going on so people aren't fucking rocking out and talking they can you know you can talk over this if you want yeah. but you don't want to because it's fucking funny and then everyone's in the right mood for the host aka me so i was using <laughs> you as a pre-host host and it worked great they were so fucking funny and everybody oh man i was such a fan <laughs> when you came through there and then, okay, so then let's just talk about what goes into you landing the Daily Show because we met up in Seattle. I'm panicking on SNL and not having a great time, and you're just being the funniest fucking guy on the planet. And I'm like, how is Roy not on TV right now? And then, like, three months later, you're like, now nah, I'm on the Daily <laughs> Show. Um, so Trevor Noah takes over for Jon Stewart, or it's announced, right, that summer. 20 this is summer 2015 it's like i don't know april or some shit it's john stewart's victory lap and i get a call from neil brennan and he goes hey man um you should try an audition for the daily show trevor's calling me for names and threw your name in the hat with a couple other people and just see what see what trevor says I'm like all right that's fine now i'd already auditioned for daily show Back in 07, 08 maybe. I auditioned the same okay. day as Wyatt Snack and heard Wyatt through the door. Just murder. Like right. an audition so murderous, you know you're not getting the role. Yeah. Like I'm, Yeah, I was talking about that the other day. Like at an, when you're at an audition and like some, they open the, the door and they're like, John! And he's like, Mark! <laughs> and you're like, I should just fucking leave. These are ba- these guys are fishing buddies. Yep, not a chance, not a fucking chance. Yeah. Um, and so, so I I I hear that they're that they're looking for people again. And so, mm-hmm. the the audition process for the Daily Show is you write a segment that you would do yourself, and then you perform one of their segments. Yep. And so, you know, I got the call to come to New York and you sit with Trevor and you literally do a segment the same as if you're on the show. And mm-hmm. it's like, 
it's it's surreal because it's like, oh, wait, that was it? Oh, wow, this was, okay. I have been doing something similar to this for a while because up until yeah. that point, I was, a, I was, I had done a sitcom on TBS, Sullivan and Son. We had gotten canceled like two years prior. So, okay, I forgot that you were on Sullivan and Son. Shout out to Steve Byrne. Shout out to Steve Byrne. So, for about a year, I'm not really doing anything other than ESPN stuff. I'm on the road, okay. but I'm not booking any acting roles. You know, yeah. it's, I'm adrift. You're right. No, I mean, I feel like that's. That's like kind of like not to, but I feel like I'm a little bit at like this point where I'm like, people are coming to come the shows, but they're not coming like excited for me, you know? And I need that next day. That sounds like similar to how you were at this point. Like, look, man, I'm selling, I'm, people are coming to the shows, but it's not exactly for me. They're coming for comedy. Yeah. So I was getting ready to move to New York because I was going to, all right, well, if I'm just going to work the road and get better at stand up, I would rather get better in New York. If I'm not gonna yeah. not book shit, I'll just go to New York and live in Jersey and just and just bang out sets every night. Okay, I've tried L.A. This shit isn't for me, so I will just go and try and be the greatest comedian of all time and just have me one of them Sinbad careers where you grind so hard in a ten year stretch and you're so fucking amazing just for ten. All you have to do is be great for like ten years. And then you just get to fucking eat off it. And Sinbad's a different breed because he constantly rides right. and grows and also going to yeah. wish him a quick get well soon uh, with the stroke situation. But Sinbad oh, is I didn't a, know that yeah, shit. Yeah, man. So his family says he's recovering. So that's good news. I'm such a fucking Sinbad fan. He's so fucking funny. He's one of my four, man. When you talk about that comedy Mount Rushmore shit. And so... Oh, yeah. Who are your other three? It's Carlin. It's Rock. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 between Mooney and Whoopi. Oh yeah, it's. See, I, I I don't I've never really saw. I only know Whoopi. I knew Whoopi only as Whoopi. You know, it's, I didn't it's know her. Different. I don't know her stand up. It's different, but Whoopi did stand up, and she did it in the proper sense that we. Could, she was not a monologist. That was an evolution. You mm-hmm. know, like she's always been fucking. Spitting a lot of real shit, man. But yeah, yeah. so okay. that's that's kind of that's kind of what so, happened. So, I do the audition. So, I get the call okay. on the way to the airport. Oh yeah? yeah, that like turn around. Yeah, well, not turn around, but just hey, you have ten days. Get your shit together and oh. come on to so, fucking it, yeah, <laughs> infinitely. Nicer than SNL, where they were, they would be like, "Come around." Then you sit in a hotel for two days, no one talks to you. Then you get to fly home, and then once you get home, they're like, "Come back." Yeah, that happens. Why? I don't. I mean, they're just like the Lord Psycho might want to talk to you, but he doesn't know. So go (laughs) panic in the fucking. Yeah, you don't go back to LA, (laughs) even though we know you don't have a job. We know you have a job that you are that you are barely getting by with yeah uh well that's amazing that's incredible so you go do that and then i remember you were like what was the first time and then and then we'll, we'll scoop because you've just been crushing on it so much what was the first like daily show piece that you were like this is what it's all built for like i you know the fucking radio the five hours the sleeping three hours like the one thing that you were like i fucking love this i'm, I'm gonna do this because mm. i ran into you in new york when you were new to it and I remember you told me, you're like, I get how you felt 
at SNL because you were we were both doing that show in Brooklyn at some like vodka Hippy dippy, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you different. were just like, dude, I get like, because I was so stressed when you when we did those shows in Seattle, and you were brand new, and you're like, I'm stressed, and then it just like clicked. I would say, oh shit, man, we did a Black Trump video that went viral that was really cool because we were able to do something different. It's nothing we would yeah. do now, but it's back when you could still laugh at Trump because he wasn't president yet. He was just yes. a, yeah, a yeah, Republican. Yeah. He was still the primaries. Right. And um, we took all of his tweets and formed rap bars with them. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, this sounds exactly like what you would be doing in Birmingham as the fourth chair on your morning show. Same muscle. Here's something yeah. everybody's talking about. Find the weird angle and figure out a way to make it funny. Mm -hmm. You know, the field pieces were always funny, and that was good because then I got to put that journalism degree to good use. Hell so yeah. the stand-up improv also played a big role because once you're in the room and you're talking to people, you're trying to find the funny angle, but you're trying to base the joke in humor and facts and, you know, all of these right. other things. So, like, there's always interesting ways to, to play around with stuff. Yeah. Well, dude, it's, it's fucking great. I'm stoked. I'm just stoked with your success and how funny you are and how, like, you know, I've met you uh, like 13 years ago, you know? Like, I saw you be funny 13 years ago in a basement in Iowa. You know, like, that's the sort of, like, I'm like, I'm so happy for, like, people, just, you know, my friends, first of all, but then second of all, my friends who I saw in that basement in Iowa, which I only know maybe 10 still doing it that I ever saw there, you know, like... No, that's not to say they're not on the road, but just like guys no, I run into. That's true, though, man. It's it's very much. Um, I'm very fortunate and thankful to still be able to put food on the table for my family doing the thing that I started doing when I was 19. That, yes, because there's the a best. lot of people that that aren't. It's a lot of people that have quit. I, like I'm at that age where a lot of cats. There's there's some people I started with who are dead. They are literally not on earth anymore. And yeah. so that's, it's not something to take for granted. So, you know, I'm definitely thankful, you know, so that's why I try to just keep fucking working hard at this shit so that I don't. Your work ethic is like, I, so I don't lose it. I look up to it a lot. I mean, just how funny you are on Twitter. And then I'm like, and you're going to do my podcast at night and you're, producing daily show bits i'm just like god damn it brooks maybe you pull out the computer instead of pulling out the beer tonight and then <laughs> facetiming into roy's podcast <laughs> uh but roy i really appreciate you, you doing it man do you have anything to uh plug besides um no uh um, twitter no no nothing just my name at symbol in front yep. dot com behind that's me everywhere <laughs> yeah anytime somebody's like where can we find you i'm like the internet yeah. Just type it in. Just type in my name. And yeah, yeah. People got to stop saying www before they say the email address <laughs> too. It's, it's time. We all know it's, it's www. Time. Yes, yes. We're familiar. We're familiar. <laughs> well, Roy, I I really appreciate you doing it. And I know 
for you what an honor it is because you're such a big fan of this podcast. You never miss one. You've oh, seen never. Them all. <laughs> never. You've heard them all. You love it. So you obviously know that at the end of every episode, I have the guest take us out. So go ahead and take us out. I'm sure you've been waiting for this for the last three years. All right. This has been Entry Level with Brooks Whelan. I'm Roy Wood Jr. And now it's time for music. 